Thanks, Ralph. Extra blessed today to have the youth up here today. This is exciting. Uh, it's an exciting thing that I didn't know would happen. It's hard to start without ta- talking about golf these days up here. So uh, Ralph often talks about his awesome golf experiences in Scotland. Well, when I was in junior high, um, our dad got my brother and I a membership to like the ghetto golf club, uh, nine holes, uh, par three. And we, we played a quite a bit of golf. We usually just golf nine holes. And the final count when we'd be done was sometimes like 20, sometimes 25. Sometimes we'd end in the final count and actually be 10. If you know about golf, that's pretty good. If the count was actually our score, but the count was how many golf balls that we found because we hit so many into the woods and in the rough we would go and then find everybody else's golf, everyone else's golf balls. And that was what was most fun. So our dad didn't get us a membership the next year. He realized our talents were better spent in other places. So he, we put helmets on, padded our whole body, ran as fast as we could into other people. Um, it's called American football. It sounds a lot like a live crash dummy, but um, we were better at that. So that's what we did growing up. Um, I'm really excited to be able to share today. I get to continue on the series uh, why are we here? Um, Ralph mentioned we've been a part of Beijing for a while. My family, we live on the, uh, the west side of town. And the, we've been in Beijing a while, but just this summer, God has really called us to be a part of this fellowship. And it's just been exciting and fun for us to be here. Uh, we commute about an hour across town to get here, and we just have loved it. We commute back an hour, and um, we go home and we're refreshed, because that's like what it's like when you're a place that God has called you to. He's called you to be. Um, I want to get right into the message. We're talking about Isaac today, and Isaac uh, was one of the patriarchs. We have um, Tara. Uh, there's a map that we're going to be looking at, the same map that Ralph has showed, where um, Tara started, got the call from God to go to a promised land. He only made it halfway. Abraham continued the journey down to the land of Israel, the promised land, and Abraham stayed there. Abraham was the man of faith that we've come to know and come to hear about for the last, last few weeks. Um, he had two children, but the promised child is Isaac. And Isaac grew up with his father being this man of faith, grew up in a, a home, a household of believing in God and obeying God. So that was his heritage. Um, like some of us, we either come from Christian countries or countries where there's a lot of Christian influence or places where uh, we actually come from a Christian family. Well, Isaac was raised in this environment. And today I would like to journey through Isaac's life and see how he has come from being coming from a Christian family to developing his own relationship with the Lord. Um, looking at Isaac's life, the first positive effect that I feel he gained in terms of what are some of the positive effects he gained from being a child um, of someone of faith? Well, his first effect was um, a near-death experience. Uh, we learned last week that his father took him up on a mountainside to offer him as a sacrifice. So uh, the teens are here. If you complain about your parents, um, how they treat you, 
this is an example. They say, I'm just doing biblical parenting here, um, threatening your life on a, a regular basis. It's, it's allowed. It's in the Bible. Um, but we see at this, I mean, I don't know about you, but if your last memory of your father was him standing over you with a knife and just stopping, um, our kids have had reoccurring dreams at nighttime, and this would be one of those. We don't read about this being a problem for Isaac. So what can we assume? Um, we can assume that God healed that emotion. That because God called Abraham to do it, God also brought about a healing in his heart, in his mind, in his emotion. And that's what's wonderful about God. That when he calls us to obey, he takes care of the situations around it. The second thing that Abraham experienced is coming from this uh, Isaac experience from living in a household of faith was that his dad was careful to get him a good wife. Abraham was told to be separate from the people, so Abraham was careful to go back to his own relatives and find a wife for Isaac. And we heard about that story. And if you were here when Ralph was running back and forth with buckets of water, um, that was a great analogy. I pictured him going home that day and Melinda saying, Hey, Ralph, could you get me a drink in the kitchen? And he's like, Are you kidding me? I've been carrying water all day. <laughs> but I'm sure he, he would have been happy to do it that day also. Um, but in this situation, I want to talk about the, pro- the final climax of this story about him getting his wife again, because I'm a little bit of a romantic, and this is one of my favorite parts of the story. It's also identified with the story a little bit, because Isaac's mother had died about three years earlier. We can tell by the timeline that she had passed away, and it says at the end of the story that he was comforted by his wife. Well, my wife passed away about three years before I married my wife. Sorry, my wife has not passed away. She's actually here. My, my mother passed away about three years. My second wife is here today. My mother passed away about three years before um, I was married with, to this wife. Um, and, uh, but I remember how hard of a time it was how uh, losing your, your mom is kind of throws a whole family in confusion. Ralph talked about it this morning. Moms hold the family together. They kind of coordinate things. They make sure kids actually have clothes on when they leave the house in the morning. And our family was this joyful, fun family. And when my mom passed away, it was still functional, but barely. And I remember... Right shortly, within six months, there was a real grieving time I went through. I remember I would wake up, and I would feel bad in the morning. And I knew I would feel bad all day. And it was just a hard time. And I came out of that, and then shortly, a little while after that, met Carolyn, and we had a courtship, and then we were married. So I can relate with Isaac in this story. But I want to read, again, the, the climax Genesis 24, 62 through 67. Now Isaac had come from Ber Lahoroi, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to a field on the evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is the man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah. He married Rebekah. She became his wife, and he loved her, 
and Isaac was comforted after the death of his mother. This is a great story. I do some life coaching, and there's a friend, uh, a woman over in Tianjin that I'm coaching over Skype to write a book, and she just was listening to a podcast, and she said, oh, this podcast talk about what makes a great story, and redemption, uh, transformation, and I believe expectation and a romantic climax, and this is one of those, and you picture Isaac going out in the field at night, he, it's, he doesn't know exactly when they're coming back, but they've been gone probably a couple months. It takes about a month to get there, a month to get back. And this would be an early return because God blessed the process so wonderfully. But he's out there and he sees the camels coming. And he starts walking with intentionality. It says Rebecca on the camel. It's almost as if in the movie, they show this as a movie scene. It says they both turn and see each other. I mean, I don't know how far away they, but, but it's like they look at the same time. And then she says, who is that coming to meet us? He wasn't just strolling, uh, strolling around the field. He was walking with an intensity and she realized this guy's coming to us. And there's a picture of how some movies portray this, the final scene, the climactic scene coming up. Some of you recognize this. Um, Jane Austen had nothing. I think she actually took this idea from the Isaac story. Um, But as she got down from her camels, you picture her covering her face and her maids falling behind her. Isaac comes up. The, The camera would probably shoot to Rebecca, and you could just see her a little bit anxious and and breathing the expectation of this is her future husband. And Isaac, I don't picture him listening to the servant. Hey, how did it go? What's up? You know, he, I'm sure it was very much, he's listening to the servant in this year, and his eyes are just fixed directly on his future bride. The excitement of God's promise and provision to him. And he reaches out his hand, and, and she steps forward. And then he takes her to his mother's tent. He's been living three years alone. So it was sure his tent was a man cave by this time. And his mother's tent was probably a nice tent. You know, the nice tapestries and embroideries of his mom. And so he brings her here, and it just says, and they were married, and he loved her, and she was a comfort to him. And I just think that that is beautiful. So Isaac definitely benefited from his father's faith. Now he is his own man. Now he's a, he's a husband, and it says um, in the next passage I want to read, Genesis 19 through 21. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of his Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answers his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. So he is now praying his own prayers. He is not just accepting the culture of being a, in a home of faith. And it's, he's not accepting, it's like there's Abraham and God, and then him, almost as if he's a grandchild. He's grandchilded into this family. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. And so for each of us, we have to come to a point where the faith of our parents, that we have to come to a point where we experience that faith ourselves. Often we can live as grandchildren of God because of our culture, because of our traditions. But Isaac does a wonderful job of moving from that grandchild relationship into an actual personal experience with God. And it says he prayed and the Lord answered his prayer. Sounds simple. Until you get the timeline again. 
They were married at 40. The twins that were born were born when he was 60. Isaac prayed for 19, 20 years for his wife to become pregnant. Now those are prayers of faith. That is a prepared petition. The first year he prayed and said, they're not getting pregnant. Now five years they pray. Now ten. Is he still trusting God? Is God someone that will still provide for him? And he prays 19 years. And then his wife becomes pregnant. And they're twins. They're wrestling inside. And God gives a prophecy about these boys. 25, 24, and 26. I love this part of the story. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. Um, if the midwife was there, he knows Isaac, she knows Isaac has prayed for 19 years. The, the baby comes out, and she's thinking, it looks like Chewbacca from Star Wars. Is this all the faith you had? I mean, he, he, it's a hairy blanket. I mean, you can't tell where the blanket ends and the child begins. I mean, that's the description of this baby. Um, where I come from, when you see a new baby, you're supposed to say, what a beautiful baby. Um, we had some pretty babies, and we had one baby that, he wasn't pretty. Um, he came out, and he was wrinkled, and his nose, he kind of resembled Grandpa. No, he, he looked like Grandpa. He was all like a wrinkled old man. And, I mean, if someone said, hey, what a pretty baby, I'm thinking, you're lying. Because <laughs> he is not a pretty baby. And, but I, I love China, because in America, where I come from, you know, it's like, you want to say, oh, what? That's a baby. How awesome. But in China, you can just say, ah, Taipangla. It's, oh, he's so fat. And that's usually easy to say. We should just adopt that, but it doesn't always work. And then the the scripture is even more humorous. It says, uh, Isaac prayed on behalf of the Lord uh, down here. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to him. The boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter. I mean, it says as a baby he was hairy, as an adult he was hairy, and he became a skillful hunter. My favorite far side commercial is these two deers in the wood, and one of them has a birthmark on its chest of a bullseye. And the other deer says, bummer of a birthmark. And I mean, Isaac sneaking up on... A deer in the woods, they look and think, ah, funny-looking animal. (laughs) It says he smelled like the field, too. His father talks about him later. And so, and then the animal stands up and shoots him. So it's just a wonderful story about the truth of the Bible as it portrays it. So that, Isaac, again, stepping into his own, praying. His wife has, has these twins, and now he is a father. Another challenge comes. There's another famine in the land. Verse 26, it says, Now there is a famine in the land besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines of Gerah. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. And God continues to speak to him and promises him blessings of I will prosper you. You are going to be fruitful. And just God is appearing directly to Isaac now. No more grandfather relationship. No more culture directly appearing to him. And this would be a time you think his faith was the strongest. His faith would be awesome. God appears. And he follows the same pattern as dad. He goes to the Philistine king, Abimelech. And when he gets there, he follows his dad's same problem. 
They said, who is this woman with you? He said, oh, she's my sister. He repeats the lie that his dad said. But it, when it was his dad saying it, he could say about Sarah, she's actually my half-sister. When Isaac said it, it's a full lie that he is her sister. And he did it because he was afraid. After a while, the king, he learned his lesson from Abraham not to trust these people coming in. It's kind of like the Christian who has the bumper sticker on their car that says, honk if you love Jesus, and then they're cutting people off and making gestures that are not appropriate. And then they remember, oh, I got that sticker on my bumper. Isaac is not necessarily showing the best example of how godly people act among the Philistines. But Abimelech has learned. They are blessed by God, but they're not always honest. He's walking around the top of his uh, palace or wherever it was, and he looks down and sees Isaac approaching his sister. And it says as he looks, she comes up, and it's like he hugs her with arms and hands, and then he starts leaning to his sister, desiring, wanting. She responds back, and it says he saw him caressing his sister, and it's like, at first it's like, ooh, that is wrong, and then he realizes, no, that's his wife. He's lied, just like his father. He calls him in, and he, Abimelech says, what have you done? Why, are, why have you done this to us? Someone might have slept with your wife and brought guilt upon us. And Isaac says, I was afraid that they might kill me because of my wife. And so the king says, regardless of what, I will protect you. Basically, if anyone touches you, they will be put to death. This is a situation where we can see that um, the sins of the the things that we do as parents, the genetic load that we bring into the relationship and the parenting skills for our children, they will often repeat. Our kids may not always listen to us, but they always watch us. And that's scary sometimes. I mean, if my kids are not using appropriate language and I correct them on it, they will usually say, well, that's what mom says. So I, I, it's never my issue. <laughs> she is here today. That's right. Um, but, you know, they do repeat those things. And from Isaac and Rebecca, we can really see an example how, how detrimental the things that we carry into our parenting are. Isaac, he, he remembered the bad, but he forgot some of the good. Because when it came time for Esau to, um, for Esau to get a wife... It says in verse uh, 26, 34, When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Berai the Hittite, and also Besmet, daughter of Elam the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Rebekah and Isaac. He forgot the great thing his father did to make sure he got a wife from the right place. And he remembered the bad. Um, Rebekah wasn't exempt from her parenting negatives passing on because she as they the, the her boys got older the dad loved Esau more and she loved Jacob more there was a prophecy that Jacob would lead but she took things into her own hand when it came time to the blessing and when it was time for the Abraham to give his blessing to the son as he was old she said I am going to create a scheme to make sure that Isaac gets the blessing I mean, Jacob, sorry, gets the blessing. And she tells him to prepare some stew, disguise himself as her brother. You may know the story. And then Jacob is nervous. He says, um, but what if he touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring a curse down on myself rather than a blessing. And his mother says to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go 
go do this elaborate scheme, this tricky plot. Well, you might think, well, where did she get that from? Until you meet her brother Laban, and he is a tricky, lying, scheming type guy. If the brother and sister both know how to scheme and lie and be tricky, they probably learned it from somebody. They also learned it from their parents. Likely a genetic load of parenting passed down. So we as parents need to realize what we bring into our parenting, it will make a difference in our kid's life. Um, I have a little, another little handout out there. It's a parent kind of survey, genetic load. Things that you like about your parents and didn't like and how af- that might be affecting you today. You can feel free to take that. My wife has been working through that this week and it's given us some insight on how we parent. How did God discipline Isaac when he responded for lack of faith when he was among the Philistines? What does he do to kind of punish him? He blesses him. God's kindness leads us to repentance. And in this situation, even though Isaac responded in lack of faith, God chose to bless him. It says, Isaac planted a crop in, that same, in, in the land, and that same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord had blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very rich. So rich that the Philistines were envious of him and started to fill in the wells. If you're from New Zealand or Australia, you're familiar with the tall poppy seed syndrome or poppy syndrome, that if one flower grows up too high, you, you just cut them off. And that's what was happening to um, Isaac in this situation. The Philistines were looking to cut him off. The king, Abimelech, basically became so rich, the king comes to him and says... You need to leave. You've become too powerful for us. Go away. And Isaac, at this point, I really believe is walking in a faith, a close faith with God, because it doesn't say he was bitter. I believe he left humbly also when he left, because he just left. And he left, and as he left, he started digging wells, and one well that they dug, he named it Isaac, because after they dug the well... People argued about it, and the herdsmen in the region argued. And so he just said, I'm going to name that Isaac, which means dispute, because they disputed with me about that water. He moves on a little bit further, digs another well. And they, the, again, the herdsmen argue with him, and he names it Sikna, which means opposition. I feel he's walking in humility. Why? Because he just left Abimelech, the king, who says, you are too powerful You have servants, and you're just so strong. That's nice when someone says that about us. And so as he moves on, you get these little herdsmen who are arguing with him. He easily could have said, who do you think you are? And told his men to just push him aside and claim those wells as his own. Instead, he doesn't. He he acts in humility. And moves on. And I know when I think I'm walking in humility, but I'm not. When someone doesn't treat me the way I think I deserve to be treated, whether it's out in the road or on the street, rises up in me and says, you shouldn't treat me like that. Don't you know who I am? I mean, sometimes I could be standing in line at Burger King and waiting in a line a long time for my burger. Um, If you have a new Burger King here, you might experience that. And you're thinking, I could take my business elsewhere. Don't they realize my time is important? And 
The truth is you can't take it elsewhere because the family's waiting for a Burger King burger and not a McDonald's burger. But that is when the pride of my flesh rises up. I realize now I'm responding in pride. I'm thinking of myself that I need to be treated in a certain way. Isaac doesn't do this. He trusts the Lord. And the next well they dig, he names it Rehoboth, which means room. And he says, God has made room for us and we will be blessed here. I also do not believe he left bitter, which is important for us as believers when we are wronged or hurt. Because after he moves on a little bit forward, f- further, back to Beersheba, where it was kind of a home area for him, the king, Abimelech, and his commander of the army and his advisors come to him and say, he says, sign a treaty with us. And Isaac responds and says, but you sent me away. Now you want to sign a treaty with me? And they said, yes, because we see you are blessed. You are blessed by the Lord. Now who is a person of faith? Who is a person being blessed by God? It's Isaac. It's not his dad. In the past, Abimelech went and made treaties with his dad. Now Abimelech is coming and making treaties with him. Isaac is walking in the faith of his father, his own faith with God. And how does Isaac respond? He sets out a feast before them. The king of the Philistines, they feast together, and it says the next morning he sent them on their way in peace. And this last verse that we're going to look at is, I love Isaac's response. And this is just before this treaty he signs. It says, from there he went to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, again, another appearing from the Lord, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. And this is what Isaac did. It says, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there he dug a well. When Isaac met with the Lord in a special place, he set up his tent. He dug in. He literally dug a well. And it says, he called on the name of the Lord. What about us? This sermon series is, why are we here? I believe this is a place that God wants us to dig in. To call on the name of the Lord. To be a place where we we set up. It's not an easy place. Most of us come from somewhere else. And this is a challenging place for us. But this could be the place where our faith moves from potentially culture, potentially experiences that our parents had, to our own faith, our own stories of God's provision, our own stories of God's miracles in our life. I mentioned earlier that God, how God treated Isaac even after his lack of faith. Isaac experienced forgiveness from God for his lack of faith. And God is a generous God. God wants to do miracles in his life. And Luke, this is Jesus talking, 9-11 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. Talking about parenting. Which of you fathers, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? 
or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Matthew says, good give, good give, give good gifts to those who ask him. I pick this verse. It's the same story, basically. I pick this verse. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him because that is the most awesome gift that God can give us. He also says, He who did not spare his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God has awesome things he wants to give us. God has awesome things he wants to do in all of our lives in this place. And he tells us to ask him. I'd like the worship team to come back up. And I just want to uh, pray for us as the worship team is going to play. And... Um, there will be people up here afterwards. If you feel that there's anything that you are desiring from God, that you, there's things that he's spoken to you about, ways that you want to take steps of faith, there will be people up here to pray with you. If that isn't kind of something you're comfortable with, I want to encourage you today, pray with someone to seal in your heart and ask God, is there, is there more? And ask him to begin to work miracles in your life. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your love to us. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the example that Isaac and Rebecca are to us of you being loving and miraculous, you being forgiving, and you being a God that wants to bless us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.